Hey everyone, my name is Noah Barnett. I'm the VP of Marketing here at Feather. And today in the studio, as I am every Friday, I'm joined by New Tay. New, how Hello. are you doing? I'm doing really good, Noah. How are you? I'm good. I'm back from vacation. Yes, I am yeah. thankful to be back in the desert because I think what you don't realize when you are not in the desert is that it's humid and like it's sweaty and like it's sticky. And in the desert, everything's just dry, right? And it has pros and cons. But I'm thankful to be back from the Pacific coast um, and back in my own element, back in my closet, office, studio, <laughs> as I like to call it. Um, and I'm just dry, you know, I'm just good. So <laughs> I love that for you. Yeah, thanks. Well, what's been going on in, in your week? Uh, I know we are going to get into the good marketing brief, as we mm -hmm. always do. So what was the focus and topic for this week's brief? Yeah, I think we really wanted to dive into, we're still going on that year end theme, but you know, as we move into the busy season, I know we're going to get not just us, but like everybody's going to get bombarded with communications, emails, direct mail ads on just different things that's happening in the world right now, whether it's like the news or if it's just like pop culture references, you hear a lot of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Uh, They're always, also everywhere. Travis Kelsey is on every everywhere. advertisement on TV yep. right now. And mm -hmm. I'm like, there's two things about that I think is interesting. Sorry, we're going to go on a little tangent, everyone, because <laughs> I'm a Swifty fan and mm -hmm. so am I. I'm skeptical about Mr. Kelsey, but that's not why we're here. That's a different podcast. Mm -hmm. But I do think what's interesting is how quickly brands have jumped and tried to like news hack this. And I'm like, yeah. how did he film these four commercials? Or was this already pre-planned? Then I have questions around the timing of all of this. And mm -hmm, is it just a big mm -hmm. PR campaign? It's very <laughs> confusing the same as a marketer. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, have you like, did yeah, they, I mean, just, I, I don't think know. I read somewhere, I don't, I can't quote the reference, but he was already, these, obviously these campaigns have already been scheduled and he was set to do them anyway. And then just, fortuitously he's in the news all the time because every, <laughs> everyone loves taylor swift um so i i don't know it could i think it, I, I don't know it might be a pr stunt but um whatever the case everyone's jumping on the bandwagon to try to get a piece of the pie so yeah well enough of that um <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I think we can't stop seeing, and as advertisers and marketers, like I think about this a lot, is like holiday shopping ads are everywhere. Mm -hmm. Amazon has already mm -hmm. launched their holiday shopping campaign. And I think this mm -hmm. just amplified as us as like nonprofit marketers to be like, oh, wow, like we're not just competing with like other That's nonprofits. Right. <laughs> we're competing for attention across all of these things. Mm -hmm. And the question is you outlined, I think, in the brief is like, if you aren't Taylor Swift and you're not Amazon and don't have the deep pockets, like how do you even engage new attention, let alone even retain the attention you have of your current supporters? Like what can you yeah. actually do? Yeah. So exactly. what was the answer to that question? Why yeah, Sage? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, we have to yeah, answer us, please. I think everyone's waiting <laughs> like anxiously. Trying like, to know. What's um, the answer? It's not super complicated, right? I think the answer to this is creating a very immersive omni-channel experience. I think experience has been something that's been kind of hard, people have been harping about in the space right now because that's the one thing that can 
really attract your audience because with all the different distractions and noise coming in from just not the nonprofit space, not just the busy year and season, but like that's how you catch the attention of your donors. And that's what they value now. They're looking for brands and organizations that value their support, their loyalty, their contribution, whether if it's, you know, a not a donation, creating a fundraiser, being a volunteer. Um, how are you personalizing that experience based on where they are in the journey? So I think that's kind of the theme of, not I think, that was the theme of the brief. Um, and so we dive into a lot of cool topics that I find really interesting and I hope the readers do too. Yeah. So your first article was linking out to um, a post that we did about a year ago, but still highly relevant mm -hmm. on using CRM data to increase your end giving. Mm -hmm. So it's not the most like shiny <laughs> tactic, but it's like, okay, you need to go to your CRM to yeah. find the answers mm -hmm. on how you can stand out. What what did the article kind of like highlight or what's the main takeaways from the article? Yeah, I think this is such like a baseline tactic, right? For any nonprofit. I think that's how you start looking at how, how you start building out a campaign, whether it's year end or anything else. I think your CRM holds a lot of every piece of information that you have on your donors, their behaviors, their interests, their preferences, their motivations. It's all in your CRM. And so what I really liked about this article that it dived into different marketing tactics and offered some like examples of how to use your data to improve on a certain marketing tactic. For example, their segmentation when it comes to email, right? It's very baseline for a lot of organizations, but really trying to think about how you can further segment your audience and not just by like giving level or ideal donor profile, whether they live in a certain area, but targeting them based on their activity. Like, are they a one-time donor? How can you kind of move the needle there? And what kind of messaging can you create to get them to donate, not even just at your end, but like beyond and maybe move them into like a recurring giving um, cadence or if they're a, a participant at an event, what kind of communications and what kind of messaging is going to resonate with them? Probably about whatever event you hosted and any follow-up information about that. Um, and so I think that just thinking a little bit more intricately about some of these marketing campaigns and how to use that data, I think uh, a lot of nonprofits can find the answer that way. Yeah. And I think it's just also um, like, the simple thing that I found in this article so interesting is just remembering what data you already have mm -hmm. to help you be successful. Because a lot of times we're like thinking about what we don't have. Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, we don't have the budget of Amazon. We don't have the stardom and like the superstardom of Kelsey and Swift, right? Or we don't have the budget of this nonprofit or, oh, we could never do blank that, you know, why organization did. But what going to your CRM does is it orients you back into your community. Like, what do we have? Who has supported us last year? And sometimes we just need that encouragement to be like, oh, last year we did raise $100,000 at mm -hmm. year end mm -hmm. or $50,000, whatever, or a million dollars, whatever your year end goal was. But it's like reminding you that like people even last year supported your organization and they gave through email. They might have given through advertising. You might have done some direct mail or maybe an event or a phone call. But all of that signal is both confidence that this year, like 
you know, you can do it again. And two, you can use that context of how people engaged with you last year mm -hmm. to inform how you reconnect them to your campaigns this year. Yeah. And so I think that's what was really important about going back into your, your data. The other thing that was important that was highlighted here was something so simple, which is like, hey, how about you just call your supporters? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get so creative when we're like, oh, man, we got to think about this. And yeah. we have to do like, you know, omni-channel campaigns, which I totally agree with. <laughs> and we're going to be hosting a flight school webinar next week talking all about doing mm -hmm. omni-channel. It's linked in the show notes down below. But sometimes it's just like going back to the basics, which is like, when in doubt, just do something different or do something old school, like pick yeah. up the phone and just call your most loyal supporters. Mm -hmm. Thank them for being a supporter last year and ask them if you can count on them again. Yeah. Why not? I agree yeah. with that. And especially because I think that, you know, with marketing tools out there, it's easy to scale your efforts and be able to, so it's a little bit more, um, you're putting your resources in the right spot, but also calling your high value donors are the ones that maybe need a little bit more love than the others. And just telling them like, Hey, I'm here. I'm listening. I, I want to build this relationship. I think that goes a long way. So we talked in this article or in this week's brief about how do you use data? How do you think about omni-channel experiences? Mm -hmm. And then you shared a conversation I had with Cindy yeah. Starkey, who's the VP of Marketing Communications at Starlight. I feel like Starkey working at Starlight <laughs> like is amazing, but Starlight Children's Foundation. Mm -hmm. And Cindy was such a delight. And how Starlight Children's Foundation thinks about their marketing in a holistic way was just really refreshing. And Cindy had this great quote where I'll just read it to you. She said, our best job as nonprofit marketers is understanding there's a world full of people who are looking to make a difference, looking to make a difference. They just need to know how and where. And so our job is to connect them with the how and the where. Mm -hmm. And it, it encapsulated this beautiful thing that I've shared before on the podcast um, about uh, Save the Children's founder, where she, they talk, said, you know, the world is not ungenerous, they're unimaginative and very busy. Yep. And this kind of is a version of that. But it also then led into practical applications where it said, okay, if there's a world out there trying, looking to make a difference, it's not just about the channels or the tactics and the data we use, it's also about the message that we're mm -hmm. sharing with them. And that they saw a 50% increase in their website conversions just by simplifying their message. By basically going back to the drawing board and saying, hey, how could we simplify this? Not, not uh, carve it down and make it overly like off mission. Mm -hmm. Like it's still telling the truth. And in some ways, probably telling more of the truth about the power of supporting their organization. So it was like just simplifying the mission, mission or the messaging increased their conversion by 50%, which is just incredible. Yeah. Uh, Anything you took away from this conversation with Cindy that stood out that marketers yeah. should think about this year end? I think, I mean, that's probably my favorite part of the conversation. I think a lot of times in fundraising, you look at the for-profit and you try to mirror that with yours, but, you know, the bright and shiny new way to message or like get the attention of your donors doesn't always work. They just like having that very donor-centric and simplified messaging can really undercomplicate um, the story that you're trying to tell 
because sometimes with a lot of nonprofits, you know, their mission can be overcomplicated. They're doing a lot. And so kind of breaking that down in a way that allows a donor to see point A, like they're at point A and point B is here. And I think that just goes a long way. Yeah. One of the great examples that she shared was they would talk about um, raising funding for uh, these like handheld gaming devices that they have and how like on the surface, it's like, oh yeah, I get to provide a child some like entertainment or mm -hmm. I get to provide, um, you know, a child something fun to do. Right. And that's like simplistic. But she was like, when we really dug further and explained to the supporters that like, they might need this because it's helping them connect with other kids because they need to be separated because of yeah. the illness that they have mm -hmm. or that they can't be around other children at the risk of maybe uh, being exposed to something. And so the right. idea of portability is actually really important because they can still stay connected socially, mm -hmm. even if they're distanced physically. physically yeah. And I'm getting goosebumps even talking about it, but it's like, that's what you're funding. You're not funding a switch for a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, in in a situation like this, like no, you're tr you're you're funding connection, and community, and connection, right? So like yeah. the kids can feel like they're hanging out with their friends, or they're hanging out with yeah. the kid down down the hallway. Through, it's not just a device; it's a means to find interaction, find connection, and find friendship and camaraderie. So absolutely. Even just the idea of like upgrading uh, the rooms to feel more like homey mm -hmm. is like, oh, simple, like, oh, put decorations up. Like, that's fun. Yeah. I'll fund that. It's like, no, you're you're making them feel dignity and normalized yeah. because they just happen to have to be in a hospital. Why does why can't they feel belonging and yeah. homey, like homeness in this environment? Yeah, like, I'd love that like you brought that up. I love that you brought that up because I think that is important coming from like personal experience just like my dad had he passed a couple years ago from cancer and so those rooms feel cold without any like homey personal touches that reminds you of family reminds you of your house it can feel lonely and it can feel dark and it can feel like you're kind of isolated from society so being able to do that for someone I think is super incredible and i'm actually getting goosebumps just thinking about it because yeah. i remember how my dad would feel when like we would bring something that reminded him of home and um it just that is what you're funding that is what you're like that's where your generosity is going it's not just like a physical item so yeah yeah and i think that's and, and i really appreciate you sharing that personal story <laughs> because i think that's the opportunity we have as nonprofit marketers mm -hmm. again it's like driving this connection because again like funding a fun toy for someone is great or in my case like in international development like we funded food and shelter and clothing mm -hmm. for kids mm -hmm. that lived in developing communities but it's like that's just like the vehicle to get to the impact and exactly. reminding people of the impact they can be a part of in this case being feeling like they're they're at home or they're connected mm -hmm. or um, in the case of the organization I worked with, we were actually giving these kids like the opportunity to dream again, because if you don't provide for basic needs, like dream quotient decreases because yeah. they're just trying to survive like mm -hmm. anyone would, you know, mm -hmm. and people could relate to maybe the times they had to struggle and that now that they are feeling more secure, like they can have more hope and dream. Yeah. Leaning in this end of your season to stand out from the noise doesn't require a budget like Amazon or stardom <laughs> yeah. like Taylor. It requires us to remember that the missions we are working on matter. Yeah. Marketing is mission critical to making those missions known 
and, and, and inviting people to be a part of it. Exactly. And I think I mentioned that in my, in my intro to the brief saying that like, we're not selling materialistic things. We're not selling services. What we're selling is like altruism, that feeling of like, when you do something good for somebody that's going to Im significantly impact somebody's life, that can't be replicated. You can't find that anywhere else, but to contribute or support an organization that you really, really resonate with. So. Absolutely. And again, I think it's using means that we have to be able mm -hmm. to connect with our audience and, and, and like what Feather talks about a lot is like, how do we close the, or how do we connect our community with the cost? And that's our job as marketers. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different tools to do that. And I think one thing you highlighted in this article was how there's even like new ways to connect mm -hmm. um, through something I can't really say that well, but RMNs yeah. um, <laughs> and how like it's not really associated with nonprofits, but it's an interesting idea of how leveraging places that have consumption of attention. Mm -hmm. How do you gain access to that? You know, like it's in similar, we, we rent attention on social, right? Like we don't own that attention. We rent that attention. Mm -hmm. And so things like Target and others are thinking a little bit different about this, but what is an RMN and why should nonprofits care? <laughs> so RMN is a retail media network. Um, and it's basically a platform that allows it's basically an online marketplace that allows other brands to buy ad space on the platform so a good example of this is amazon um and target like you mentioned uh, they are a mega mega brand and they sell whether it's in the physical stores or for amazon online you can feature your products um on, on their platform for you know price <laughs> and so for nonprofits, it you it, it complete it sounds completely like unrelated to nonprofits because our men's are targeted toward b2b space but it gets the the brain thinking about how nonprofits can think outside of the box and find other opportunities to kind of elevate their mission and get it out there and engage the people that they want to engage and so an example of this would be corporate sponsorship, corporate sponsorship, corporate partnerships. So partnering with um, a, a brand, maybe like Walmart to, to drive, give people an opportunity to give. So as they're making their purchases during their holiday shopping, it's like, hey, would you consider donating to the Salvation Army or something like that? Um, and so a lot of times, in the season of giving, uh, people do that. And so they'll, they'll opt in to, you know, either round up. You see that a lot when you're in the checkout line, you can round up or it's like you can donate a certain amount um, and then you get like something to sign and like yeah. in the store. Yeah, I think, I think what it, it, it emphasized for me in addition to those was how important it is to understand where your community is giving their attention beyond your organization because mm -hmm. you're not going to own if you're a nonprofit bursting a little bit of bubbles you're not going to own a hundred percent of your supporters attention mm -hmm. like it's just impossible and mm -hmm. it'd be ridiculous uh no one deserves a hundred percent of anyone's attention uh even though i think amazon and apple and facebook and stuff are trying yeah. they're like oh, i'll take all of it <laughs> but they are giving their attention to other things 
And I think this is where it's like thinking creatively about like, where is your community investing time and energy and who is stewarding that attention? And it, you could think of like a Walmart, you could think about a Facebook or mm -hmm. an Instagram and stuff. And those are big, it's hard to access, it's pay to play, et cetera. But one creative idea that I just was reminded of is that we as an organization um, had a supporter that sold um, toothbrushes to dental offices to give away for free. Like, are they mm -hmm. sold like the, the all the supplies that they give you in the white little baggie after you get your teeth cleaned yeah. and then you use it like when you travel and stuff. Yeah. Um, but what this supporter had was a network of dentists that were focused on hygiene of their community. And this business owner was like, well, one of the core aspects of dental hygiene is clean water. And we had a clean water initiative at our organization. And mm -hmm. so he was like, I have a population that understands the value and the importance of clean water. And I am now engaging all of these dentists to now be a part of giving back to this water campaign, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We had never even thought about the idea that like, wow, clean water and dentists really align. Right. Who has a trusted relationship with dentists, if dent dentists are an ideal best donor, both from disposable income and uh, alignment to the cause, like who has their attention? And so it's this idea of like thinking about who your core supporters are and then who could you proxy with to gain access to that intention. I think that's what these RMNs gave spotlight to is that like thinking creatively about how you can use partnerships and or like strategic advertising or mm -hmm. connections to to do that um, is really fascinating and really, really cool yeah. idea. And I think it's a great read. It's also uh, the there was an article you linked to by our friend Tobes Kelly, mm -hmm. um, who we reference pretty much every week. He's an incredible uh, <laughs> kind of like luminary, visionary type person on really like talking about really practical things uh, mm -hmm. that nonprofits may not really think about, but should be. Um, and so we've talked a lot about like messaging and data and marketing and different things like that. Um, and you end this week's brief with something a little bit different, but I think highly related. Yeah. What, how did you end the brief this week? Yeah. Um, so I highlighted in the inspiration section, the, the new film documentary from Dan Pallotta, who was like a huge, huge, humanitarian he's a writer he's now like a film producer <laughs> um and he i mean i think everyone knows him because he has kind of harped on like the overhead um kind yeah. of myth that you know nonprofits, unlike for-profits nonprofits are held at a high much higher standard and so they are almost like criminalized when like 100 percent of donation revenue doesn't go toward the mission, which is like great in theory, if you have very wealthy philanthropists backing your organization. Um, yeah. But for a lot of nonprofits, that's not a reality. They still have operating costs. They still have staff they need to pay. And if you are not kind of funding your talent and your staff, you're not going to find the people who have the talent to grow the mission to help get nonprofits where they want to go because they're not getting paid enough. Um, and two, if they do, if they are on staff, there's no way they're going to retain them long-term. And so yeah. 
he basically joined this conversation with John and Becky at We Are For Good podcast to kind of talk about this skewed reality nonprofits are living and how we can, as a sector, rewrite the narrative. And that's by, you know, talking more about it, kind of educating the public about why this matters for nonprofits, why we have to kind of move away from this super antiquated theory of like, yes, nonprofits are for good. They are helping people live better lives and improving the way us as a society, but they shouldn't get paid for it. I think um, it's it's just hurting our sector to to kind of move the missions forward and create the impact that the world wants to see. Um, and yeah. I really love this conversation. I think they really get into the nitty gritty of um, breaking through that that stigma that's existing, and then offering. I know I, there's a section where Dan talks about how we as a sector can. Um, use new media to get the word out there, you know, whether it's like the biggest foundations putting uh, billions of dollars into this initiative, just buy out every billboard, buy out the Super Bowl ads and just educating, you know, the world on the impact nonprofits are making and why we deserve um, to live a normal life and to buy a house, you know, to buy a car and just be able to afford the things that everyone else does. Yeah. And I think this this is really relevant to this audience. When we talk about doing good marketing, it's based on a belief that marketing is mission critical. Mm -hmm. And I think if you think about the argument within Uncharitable, it's overhead overall, both staffing and expenses, and our thinking that anything we do to promote or to try to reach new donors or to maybe stand out mm -hmm. or maybe we pay a bunch of money to partner with a big celebrity to do these things like all of that is wasteful and that that's <laughs> only a means to the mission and we should limit how much we do that because philanthropy should just be like unscripted generosity and i think as we quoted earlier is that there's a world full of people looking to make a difference but we need to be able to show them yeah. how to do that. And that's where marketing comes into play. That's where people at nonprofits come into play because we are part of the mission. And I think there was an incredible campaign associated with Uncharitable where they had these shirts where it was like for nonprofit staff, it was like, I'm overhead. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was like this ad campaign that they did where they were just like, that can't be true. Like if we really describe what the system sets up for us, yeah. We're basically saying that the work of those that work in nonprofits and any work we do to promote is like anti-generosity. Yeah. And that's not, but or anti-charity. Like frivolous, right? It's like, we yeah, are frivolous like you shouldn't expense. do it. Exactly. Um, but that's not true. You have to tell people about children in hospitals that need to feel connected. You have to tell people about animals that need rescued or the environment that needs saved or the mm -hmm. policy that needs changed. Yeah. These things have to be in, uh, shared and invite people to be a part of them. We mm -hmm. have to activate the, uh, the unimaginative and very busy. We have yeah. to activate those looking to make a difference. And I think that's what our roles are as marketing. And I think this is a, a movie and a documentary. I think everyone should go watch, go mm -hmm. listen to the interview. Uh, it's linked in the show notes below. Um, go watch the documentary if you have the opportunity. 
and definitely check out Dan's work. Even if you disagree with some things Dan says, I think there's a lot to be learned as a sector from the framing of the arguments that he's presenting. Yeah. Um, and I think we have, it's a great tool to spark the right conversation. Uh, and excited that Absolutely. we can highlight it in this week's because it does require you to promote your cause at your end, right? Yeah. And we can't just say, look what we don't have. We have to say, look at what we have. What are we actually doing? And how mm -hmm. do we use smart, good marketing to connect our community to our yeah. causes? And this week's brief kind of like encompasses a variety of ways for you to do that. So if you're interested Absolutely. in a good marketing brief, it comes out every Wednesday morning and drops straight into your inbox. New take cur curates it. Uh, it's brilliant. And so you can subscribe to the Good Marketing Brief if you don't currently get it, or you should go search your inbox for Good Marketing Brief and you'll find it there if you're already subscribed and missed this week's. Um, you can also link to all the discussion items we talked about in the show notes. And new, thanks for being here every Friday with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll do it again next week. Absolutely. Uh, I look forward we'll, to it. We'll see you then. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, and uh, have a great week. Bye.